Good morning, everybody. Um, this is the latest podcast edition of of Christian Ethics in the Wild, continuing on with this small series of keywords of the moral life. And today I want to talk to us a bit about agency. So agency is one of these, these buzzy words that gets used in moral discussion uh, with the assumption that whatever we do, um, there is some intent and there is some agent behind the action. That Sometimes we talk about uh, things happening and there's no specific agent. That could be the case with like uh, environmental catastrophes or um, kind of ecological problems, that there's not one specific agent that is to that we can attribute the harm particularly to. But a lot of the time when we're talking about like personal actions, um, the role of agency really matters. That it's important for us to affirm, I think, that when we do something, that it is something which we intend to do. Now, with that, gets into that we get into all kinds of discussions about, well, what does it mean for us to really be free to do certain things? Um, we could ask that theologically with someone like Augustine who wants to say that our wills are corrupted and constrained in ways that such that when we do things. Um, it's kind of like Paul in Romans when he says that that thing that I want to do, I don't do. And that thing that I don't want to do, that's what I do. Um, Augustine has something like that in mind. I think that, that the agency we have never quite works in a straightforward fashion. It always works slant ways and it always works, um, when it does work, it works, um, by God's grace and not because we have a well-intended plan all the time. Um, but so anyway, agency is kind of complicated. It's not as quite as simple as saying that when a person um, intends to do X, that they accomplish Y. Um, so if we don't quite do all the things that we intend, um, there's always a, there's a lot of reasons to account for, it. and some of those some of those might be uh, that we didn't intend well or we we didn't rise to the occasion but some of it could be that there are a lot of things out of our control that have nothing to do with our agency um there's a lot we could say here but today since it's advent i really want to focus our attention on one story in particular from uh from christmas that i think helps us to understand why agency i think from a christian vantage point gets so complicated So from Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, this was actually uh, one of the lectionary passages from this past Sunday. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which she is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what has been spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. 
So what makes this particular story so interesting to me when I'm thinking about agency um, is that it really, I think it gets at two of the two significant problems um, with the way in which we normally talk about it. So we normally talk about agency as I intended to do X and I did, I did it. Like that's it. And if I fail to do it, it's just a matter of the failure of nerve or failure of desire or disobedience straightforwardly or something like this. Um, but the story of Joseph here really gets into kind of some interesting territory in that there is a, so there's the, the situation has, has appeared. Mary is with child and verse 19, her husband, Joseph being a just man. And the word, this word here is translated variously. Sometimes it is translated as one who lived according to the law. Sometimes it's translated righteous kind of is all in that same family of words that kind of um, we're all trying to indicate the way in which Joseph is an, up, is an upright, he's a just person who, uh, who is God-fearing and is righteous as, as in the Old Testament sense of righteousness, kind of that full-bodied sense. This is a, this is a good dude, Joseph. And uh, so Joseph, not wanting his wife to be put to shame, and or possibly uh, something worse happened to her, uh, resolved to divorce her quietly. And so the angel of the Lord shows up to Joseph and tells him that this well-conceived plan that he is articulating, one which would have been within his rights to do, and one which, which would have been uh, merciful to Mary, um, that don't do that, that you are to actually take up this harder thing, which is to keep Mary as your wife. This that she has conceived by the Holy Spirit, and that she is going to bear a son named Jesus, who will save his people from their sins. And so, two elements here of the kind of age. So Joseph has kind of like this. Joseph has a moment in front of him, um, which really I think is indicative of the kind of agency that Christians have. And I'm going to talk about this. Kind of get at this in maybe two respects. The first. Uh, first element here is that Joseph's agency is not unfettered. It's not freed as in like a libertarian sense, capable of doing any and all capable of doing anything that is, that there's set. He sets his mind to that the options are open and innate and the options are all freely available. And so all Joseph has to do is just walk forward into it. Joseph has what, um, Travis Pickell in his dissertation has called burdened agency. He doesn't call it that he, he he's describing it in a different sense. Um, but I'm going to apply that concept of what Travis is working out there to Joseph. And what that means is that when Joseph acts here, he's not acting unfettered, but he's acting in a burdened kind of sense in multiple ways. One, he's, he's acting without certainty as to what the end of his action is going to be that in, in plan a, it was pretty clear, like what the plan, what the, what the way forward was. Uh, there's a, there's a fork in the road. I'm going to take this fork and it's going to work out well for me and for Mary. Right. But with the command of the angel, he has no sense of what the, what the outcome is going to be. Um, that he is secondly, he is acting without all of the relevant information here. That sometimes when we think about agency, we think about it in terms of a well-informed judgment, like a, a judgment that we come to after like 
having the appropriate information in order for us to act well. Joseph, again, not in that situation. Um, he knows that this is where his wife's baby has come from. He knows that this is who this is going to be. But no one's ever given birth to a messiah before. Not exactly sure how this goes. There's no roadmap for this. Which gets us into the third kind of way in which Joseph's agency is burdened. That he's acting without he's acting without any kind of precedent here. Sure, there's there's precedent for um, taking on children that are not your own, or uh, there's precedent for like how do you live in a marriage that is starting off in a, from a, a point that is very different than the one you intended. Um, there's precedent for all that sort of thing. But again, all that kind of goes out the window when we're talking about uh, whose child this is. And <clears throat> probably the more ordinary one of all these is that Joseph is acting with all kinds of constraints upon him. <coughs> He's not just acting for his own benefit, but he is acting um, con- having having been confronted and constrained by the uh, by the voice of the angel, by the uh, consideration of what is good for Mary, by what it means to be involved now in the raising of the Messiah. There's all sorts of constraints upon his decision. Um, so that by the time we get to verse 24, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his he took his wife, but knew her not her not until she had given birth to a son. Some commentary <clears throat> on this is going to quibble with this translation, and will and will argue for the perpetual virginity of Mary, which would entail this verse meaning something like that Joseph didn't just n- not know Mary then, but never knew Mary sexually. Um, that from then on all of the way in which Joseph engaged in his own marriage was not of his own design and very much uh, kind of under under various forms of constraint. So I think this is an instructive, um, instructive way for us to think about agency, for the Christian to think about agency in moral life, um, because it's kind of like setting aside the fact that none of us will be in, Involved in the parentage of a Messiah, um, the analogies draw themselves out fairly well. That all of us, I think, when if we are responding to the call of God, are acting without certainty as to what this is going to look like, without all of the relative information, without precedent in some way or another, and under a whole lot of constraint. Uh, philosopher Lisa Tessman has called what's going on in situations like these burdened virtue that we don't need to think about virtue as having some ideal form, but rather um, that we live out the moral life and, you know, acquire virtue in ways that are not ideal and which some by her rendering need to be uh, liberated that we need to think kind of maybe put a different frame on kind of what virtue even looks like given the burdens that we operate under all the time. I think for most of us, when we think about burdened agency, that we don't get to do exactly what we want to do and it doesn't quite look the way that we were intending, kind of reach for one of two things, either the management option or offloading some of these things. Um, we try to manage it and control it as best we can, or we try to just kind of get rid of some of the, some of the burden. 
But again, Joseph's way is very different here. He recognizes that to be a moral agent is to be an embedded moral agent. You're not just acting for yourself, but Joseph becomes himself precisely by living into that way which has been crafted out for him by God. Um, Joseph didn't get to pick most of his life. And so this is kind of one more instance in which Joseph becoming holy, Joseph becoming the faithful Joseph, was one which he was led into by God. That maybe that's a good model for us to think of when we think about how our own moral agency works. It's not trying to be heroic and not trying to design like the best possible outcome here, but to be faithful in very ordinary um, and ultimately non-heroic kinds of ways. Um, the second part of this whole story, and this is one that's been commented on quite a bit, is the silence of Joseph. That in this entire story, and even through all of the Gospels, Joseph doesn't have any speaking lines. There's no words given to Joseph. That uh, he is resolved to do this thing. Uh, He is confronted by the angel and awakes and resolves to do something different on the basis of that. There's no... Uh, there's no lament of Joseph, there's no praise of Joseph, there's no nothing. Joseph is simply um, a character who does what is asked of him to do. So this lack of articulation sometimes, and this is, I've been reading, uh, as I mentioned before, W.H. Auden's uh, For the Time Being, the passage where he deals with Joseph is just, it's just phenomenal. It's entitled The Temptation of Joseph, um, Saint, excuse me, the temptation of Saint Joseph, and Auden treats this kind of this interchange with Joseph as a as a reversal of sorts. So I'll just read a bit from Auden here. For the perpetual excuse of Adam for his fall, quote, my little Eve, God bless her, did beguile me, and I ate. End quote. For his insistence on a nurse, all service, breast and lap. For giving fate, feminine gender, to make girls believe that they can save him. You must now atone, Joseph, in silence and alone. While she who loves you makes you shake with fright, your love for her must tuck you up and kiss goodnight. So Auden's here sees... um, What's happening to Joseph is kind of like a reversal of sorts of what happened with Eve. Whereas Adam did the speaking in accusatory fashion against Eve. So now Joseph gets to be silent and to live out um, to live out this story as kind of this, this great reversal of what has happened. Um, I go back and forth with how, with how to see this. In some ways, because Auden wants to cast Joseph's action as having kind of this great, grand dimension to it, that he's kind of bearing the weight of all, and the, the, I'll just let you read, read the rest of that chapter because it's really pretty amazing. All of the ways in which uh, men uh, assume agency for women or patronize women or use their agency in really malicious kinds of ways. And so Joseph being passive here is kind of an undoing or a compensation or a recompense or a, like on behalf of all of these other, of these other men. But he tips his hand toward maybe a different way to read all this. 
At the end of The Temptation of St. Joseph, he writes this. This is the, the kind of the way he sends us out into the next section of the poem. He writes, Blessed woman, excellent man, redeem for the dull the average way, that common ungifted natures may believe that their normal vision can walk to perfection. And so I think that that's actually what you have going on with Joseph here. A, it's not a Joseph as kind of having this heroic agency or this heroic action, but Joseph as the exemplar of average and ordinary faithfulness. A Joseph who doesn't get to kind of write his own story. A Joseph who doesn't even get to speak his own, his, doesn't even get to give his own take on what has happened here. But a Joseph whose story is told by others, a Joseph who lives faithfully to God, remembered only with respect to how his life has been shaped by Christ. That seems like a pretty great vision of agency, I think. All right. Hope the rest of y'all have a great day today. And may we be like Joseph. Um, call answering the summons of God and not viewing the 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 constraints upon our agency as, as somehow uh, bad things, but as that which God is in the midst of.